Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Oh, why do we have to do this again? You know, I'm so sick of your complaining that I'm complaining. Have you ever had those thoughts run through your head? Uh, if you had, you're not alone. And today we're going to take a, a deeper look at the topic of complaining. And you'll find out maybe what type of complaining you have, a type of complainer you may have a tendency to. But, but regardless, uh, I guarantee when you're done listening to the episode, you will not be complaining. <laughs> I'm hoping we don't get too many complaints on this one. Are you a chronic complainer? That's what we're going to talk about today is chronic complaining. And if so, do we realize that the, the physical, that this is physically changing our brain each day as we live in this cycle of complaining? So let's talk about that. It is only natural to complain or vent on occasion. In fact, it actually lets us get things off of our mind and an occasional vent can actually be pretty healthy. We let off some steam. It's a stress reliever. We get something off of our chest. We confide in a good friend and then we feel better. That's the key. We need to feel better afterwards. If you find yourself venting regularly and you're not feeling better afterwards, there might be an issue going on. So that's what we want to consider and, and reconsider potentially. So we all know Debbie Downers, right? Yeah. How unfortunate if you're named Debbie and you're listening Sorry, right Debbie. now. It certainly doesn't apply to you. But... No, you're a delightful Debbie. But we know Debbie Downers, right? And it is challenging to be around them, right? It's and tiring. It is. It's exhausting. And understanding the importance of relationships and connection with people, we really want to be there for our friends, especially when they're going through a hard time. But if every single day is a hard time, it can really strain a relationship. So here are three different types of chronic complainers, and there may be more. There are those who are constant venters. Venters are people who really want to be listened to. They want to share their frustrations, but they're really not interested in solving their problem. Venting or complaining gets them the attention that they're looking for, and they get a satisfaction in just being heard complaining oftentimes. Number two are sympathy seekers. Say that three times fast, sympathy seekers. Uh, sympathy seekers are also known as one-uppers. No matter what someone is going through, they have been through worse. And you could call a friend to help you navigate this really challenging thing you're going through, and they may end up commandeering the conversation and sharing everything that they've been through that's been so much worse, right? And it's always that one-sided. The other are just basic chronic complainers. They like to ruminate or obsessively think about a problem. Again, they're not really interested in trying to make the situation better. They would prefer to complain about it. And after getting off of their off their chest, they don't really feel better. They don't feel relieved. Instead, they feel more worried and more anxious from the act of complaining. And I'm sure if we'd pause after each of these, uh, individuals would come up in your mind or, mm -hmm. or maybe even, even uh, you yourself identify with some of these. So again, everybody does these to yep. a degree. The, the issue here is when it becomes a consistent, consistent pattern. That's exactly it. So the key difference between complaining on occasion and complaining becoming a daily way of life is that when you complain occasionally, it's like a spring cleaning. You clear out the junk in your mind, those feelings, you feel them, and then you're ready to move on. But if complaining has become a way of life, complaining just leads to more complaining, then oftentimes you can start feeling like a victim, like never, nothing ever goes right, the whole world is against you, and this is incredibly unhealthy. And we're modeling it for our children. So why is it unhealthy to be a non-always constant complainer? So negativity rewires our brain. 
it becomes a downward spiral. The more we think negative thoughts, the more we develop the neural pathways to look for more negative things and the easier it is to do over and over and over again. It leads to a state of chronic stress. It physically stresses your body. When you complain or you're stressed, the chemical called cortisol is released in your body. Cortisol, which is a stress hormone, is a good thing occasionally and in small doses. But when you're bathing your brain in it day after day, it actually is almost like an acid that eats away at your brain like an acid wash. Very, very unhealthy. We don't want to be that. We don't want to do that. We don't want to be that for the sake of our relationships. We don't want to be that for the sake of our personal health. And, and so I find that really interesting, the science behind it. It's just kind of how God designed us, right? The more we exercise, the more we want to exercise. The more you read God's word, the more you want to read God's word. The more you don't, the more you don't want to, right? It's just kind of, so the more you complain, the easier it becomes to complain. The more you look for positive, the easier it becomes to look for positive. It's just how it works. So, so what would be some steps for us to consider? Yeah, so first off, just as you can train your ba brain to look for negative things, you can train your brain to look for positive things. And we've talked about this before on this show. If you do this long enough, eventually you will have to actually look to find the negative. Your first response will usually be positive because you've developed the skill of looking for and seeing the good instead of looking for and seeing the negative. So you train your brain. And I often think of people who, who have the tendency to be positive. Mm -hmm. And so just surrounding yourselves by those individuals as well and learning from them how they seek out good. Yeah, it can be contagious, right? Uh, number two, be grateful. Find things to be grateful for every day. Write down three new things each day you're grateful for. Pray a prayer of gratitude throughout the day. If you start feeling anxious or pessimistic, stop and recall five things you're grateful for in this moment. Or say a quick prayer asking you to change your mindset. Which is number three, catch yourself. Hopefully other people don't have to tell us this. We don't want our relationships to be strained so much that people say, you know, it's just challenging to be around you because you're just always so negative and always complaining. Let's catch ourselves before it gets to that point. And I think many times in life we miss these uh clues that are all around us because we don't take time to self-reflect. Yeah, very true. So as we catch ourselves, we're going to pay attention to our own thoughts and our own words, and we're trying to catch ourselves when we're regularly being negative. When you catch yourself doing that, shift your thoughts and your mind state. Think about potential solutions to the situation. Brainstorm. What are different ways I could handle this? What are different things I could handle? There's nothing wrong with the world. The world is what it is. We need to figure out how we want to adjust to it. Remind yourself that what you choose to think is up to you. If a thought is not serving you well, you can change it. For example, if you're annoyed with your family because that you're always picking up socks, okay, you're forever going through picking up socks, how can you reframe that? And instead say, look, you know, they don't care about the socks. I do. So if I feel better with no socks on the floor, I'm going to pick them up as an act of service and love to my family. I love them. Leaving their socks on the floor does not make them evil. This is my choice. This is how I'm going to look at this. And that is a really great example because I think when I get home and go down the basement steps, um, I'm pretty much guaranteed that I will find a sock someplace mm -hmm. on the floor. Yep. No need getting upset over it, right? Um, we can change our mood through, it's, an, it's a number four, change our mood. One of my favorite ways to think about mood and how it's we can influence mood is think about music. When I teach my Ed Sight class to undergrads, I do a little exercise where I play snippets, like 20 seconds of a song, and I go back to back to back. So I'll start out with like ACDC, Back in Black, like just a real jamming thing, right? And, and I'll ask them to write down how that song makes them feel. And then I'll go to like a classical piece, and then I'll go to like a country out in the sun on a pontoon on the lake kind of piece, and then I'll go to like something like Happy, you know, from Happy Feet, it, like different kinds of music, and I'll ask them to write down their emotion. and. In a minute's time, two minutes time, they'll have like six different emotions, just, just like that, because of a music put them in an emotional state. 
So we can use music as a tool to change our emotional state. If we want to feel up, play music that's up. If you want to feel reflective, play, if you want to play music, if you want to feel studious, play music. You know, I typically play classical music when I really have to think and focus and write. It helps me just get into that kind of mindset, that kind of mood. So use those types of things. And then number five, another tool that you can use that just really helps in, in changing this when, when our, our mental state, our physical state, is uh, our emotional state, I should say, is through simple breathing exercises, right? And we've talked about that before too. If you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling agitated, if you're feeling nervous, if you're feeling upset, take a deep breath in and then breathe out for longer than you breathe in. And it just activates that parasympathetic system that uh, kind of calms down your amygdala, helps you settle in and not be so upset. So such a simple thing to do. Three, four, five good deep breaths and then breathe out longer than you breathe in and it changes our moods very, very quickly. So in conclusion, if you find that you spend considerable energy and time complaining, you can decide if this is serving you and those around you. If it's serving you well, you can keep doing it. If it's not serving you well, you don't need to. And we've got a few tips for you here to change that. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five key takeaways uh, from today's episode. Number one, uh, please be aware that complaining is truly unhealthy because it negatively rewires your brain. Number two, with that understanding, what can you do? You can be grateful. Uh, find, find five things each day that you are grateful for. Number three, take the time to catch yourself, pay attention, self-reflect on uh, what your thoughts are and what your words are. Number four, if you want to change your mood, consider music. And number five, we do it every day, but if we intentionally control our breathing, we can truly change our emotional state. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.